A smart person learns from their mistakes. A wise person learns from others' mistakes. Welcome to the My Mistakes Podcast. We cover the lessons learned from the mistakes we've made in business so you won't do the same. I'm Chris Chantrulli. In this episode, I had the opportunity to interview a bodybuilding legend and one of the greatest of all time. He's the founder of his own sports supplement company and someone that's adored by millions of fans all over the world. He's known to many as the Maryland Muscle Machine. I'm speaking, of course, of Kevin Lavroni. This episode is being brought to you by Don Pablo Coffee. Specialty grade beans roasted in small batches. It's a better cup of coffee. Get yours at Amazon or at DonPabloCoffee.com. Well, thank you, Kevin, right off the bat for being here and taking this time today. I know that you're busy in general, but I know that you're busy on Sunday night at 7.20 p.m., so this really means a lot. I just wanted to start off and tell you what exactly this means to me. Think back to 1996. I took a train into the city in which I had an interview for a commercial. and. After I was done, I went in Times Square to get a fake ID made. They took my picture, and then you had to fill out a card for what your name was because it's a license or a fake license. And I put the name Kevin Lavroni because you were so much my idol that I said, I'm going to get a fake ID made in this man's name out of homage or respect to you. So I wanted to just start off by telling you that. But thank you so much for being here. Really, it really is great of you. So, thank you, Chris. Thank you for that. For using your identity. (laughs) I didn't get in trouble or anything because then that would have been awkward if you got in a phone call. (laughs) (laughs) The purpose or idea of this interview is I've gotten to know you and I consider you a new friend. And in talking to you, I really realized that what I've heard about you or read about you or learned about you through the media or following your bodybuilding career is not you as a person at all. It's just a piece into your life. And I asked for this opportunity because I think the whole world and all your fans should know just what a unique individual you are. So if you could just tell me as far as who's Kevin Lavroni, the bodybuilder, and what are your most proud accomplishments in bodybuilding? I don't really like talking about myself because I like to put others before me, but I'll try. <laughs> he was came from a, the male muscle machine. Was he's like a boy, you know, who lost his father, who didn't have that parenting from a dad growing up. Hold on, Chris, we, we're 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 gonna have to start this all over again. Sorry. Okay, no problem. Hi. Are you doing something? Yeah, I was just in the middle of an interview, but it's okay. No worries, no worries. No, it's going to take... Oh, really? Okay, no problem, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just have to do like an interview for work. All right, thank you. Thank you, baby. All right, take care of yourself, okay? Thank you very much. Chris, can you hear me? I love that. That just like captured totally like candidly, which I'll edit out, but just what a nice guy you are. You're just very warm. The way you talk to people, you, you're 
you don't realize who you are. And that's why this interview is so important for me to do because I really want people to know the soul that you are. And just from that, you could hear you're just a very respectable person. What's your name? Carolyn. Carolyn just told me that I tested negative for COVID-19. So thank you very much. Fantastic news. So, okay. You know what? We're going to keep this in. Keep that in. Okay, we'll go for it. Keep all of that in because coming from a kid who grew up pretty much my father's first funeral I ever went to, he, he was 10 years old, you know, and that led me into health and fitness. And as you can see, right now I'm in a clinic here getting all my blood work done and getting tested for COVID-19. And I've been here for the last, going on 48 hours, just getting all my tests run and everything because I'm very particular about my life and things in general and who I, you know, where I go, what I'm about, everything. It's just a, a thought out process. And I think that happened when, when my father passed away and it was the first friend I ever went to. And I had questions for God and everything, you know, so that led me into health and fitness and studying the anatomy of, of the body, which where I'm at right now, inside of all these, you know, these medical professionals around me. Every year, I, I as a bodybuilder, the neural muscle machine, you know, I would always take full precautions of my health first, put my health first. And that's kind of like how the facade grew. And then my mother, you know, she died from cancer too. And I think I had about four other family members. So really the birth of the Merlin muscle machine came from something stemming deeper than just the love for passion of working out. It was a love, a passion of pain, you know, from, from the loss of my parents, but also taking and realizing that when we're in those moments, that's when we can pretty much find our purpose and who we are. So when you see, Kevin Leroni, the bodybuilder, the Merrill Muscle Machine on stage, that's that kid that had to go through so much to get that mindset, to make those adjustments in the gym and take everything that he was feeling onto the stage into a posing routine. Wow. Thank you for sharing. It's really heavy stuff. So you said you were 10 years old when your father passed away from cancer and your mom, how old were you when you lost her? About 20, you know, my early early 20s, you know, when, when she when God took her away. But, you know, I mean, my aunt died too. At my father's funeral, my aunt died. So I think that year my father died, my grandfather died, my aunt, my dad. So it was like, man, God got my attention at a really young age, you know. And I questioned my mother. I said, well, if God is so good, mama, then why, why did he take daddy away? Why, why is he allowing all this happen? And my mother told me, she's Kevin, never questioned God. He always knows what he's doing. I never questioned. And she said, if you can always help someone, help them, expect another, expect nothing in return, you know? So I've always tried to put the care because somebody, if their need is greater than mine, then I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to help them get taken care of first because I'll find a way. Some people can't find a way, but I'll help them find the way first, and then I'll look out for myself. So I always pray for someone who has a greater need than mine. And that's just it. I mean, I don't know. I just, I've been like that as 
as a, as a human being, as a person. And, and I just stumbled across bodybuilding, you know? Did you go through that loss on your own? Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have two, two brothers and three sisters. And my sisters are really, really close to me. We're, we're a whole, really a whole Clinton family, but you know, I, I still, I mean, we were, we were young. I mean, I was 10. We were all two years apart. So my dad died in 75. So we kind of had, we kind of struggled with it, our own way of dealing with what we were facing, you know. Did you get into working out almost to release the rage or anger or how you felt about the situation? And although your mother told you not to question God, did you feel or question your own faith at that point? No, I certainly didn't question the faith that my mother had taught me because I used to go to church with my sisters and I used to sing in a choir when I was a kid, eight, nine, 10, 11, I did all that, all the way up until I was able to drive a car. So I certainly didn't question my faith because life is just about dying and I believed in heaven. And I just was wondering, why did he take my father so quick? My father died in 30 days. He used to take me to the bus stop every morning and pick me up after school. And I had to walk to the bus stop. And this day I came home, the day I needed to come home from school, the school closed at three o'clock. I stood out there till six o'clock and he never came home. The janitor, a black lady named Miss Smith, she, she drove me home and my father wasn't there. He went to a hospital. I didn't even know what a hospital was. And I never been to a hospital and I had to go. My mother says, I have to take you kids to see your father because He's not coming home. And I, I saw him and I, I remember the smell of the hospital walking there and I'm processing everything, right? As a, as a kid and as a child. And I'm the youngest. And here I am going to go see my hero, my father. And I didn't recognize him. He ended up losing like 80 some pounds. He was probably 130. He's Italian, man. His skin turned yellow. He was just laying back in a hospital bed. He couldn't even talk at the time. And I was afraid to do anything, you know, just didn't know what to say because I knew that life was full. It was life wasn't in his control no more. And then a couple of days before Christmas, we had to bury him. And I, I was the first time I, I saw a funeral inside of a church, you know, buried him around Christmas time. And then Christmas is supposed to be for gifts, right? Well, we didn't have a Christmas tree that year. And we had my mother, she had to end up burying my father on my older brother's birthday because it was in December, the ground was frozen. So if we couldn't get him in the ground at that time, she would have to wait. So it was just a lot going on, man. I never questioned God or my faith. I just wanted answers like, why? Why did that happen? Why do kids die young? Why, why are people murdered and why? Why was my mother left with six kids and the youngest one was 10 and he, we were two years apart a while. Just the, the answers never came, never came to me, but they did end up coming to me. I'll explain it to you later. I had to get positioned real, real young as a kid. And I was made fun of in school. Yeah. Kevin's father died in 30 days, my whole life. And, uh, 
you know, so it was, it was pretty deep. I got angry. I didn't get hateful. I got angry because um, I wanted to see my father and I missed him. I used to sleep between my mother and my father, you know, and my dad, no more breakfast, no more dinner. Didn't see him. I, he was next thing you know, Hey, you know, we're life just totally changed. When you have a country life and we grew up on a farm and when you have that and when the father is taken away, dinner was never the same. Thanksgiving was never the same. Feeding the animals were never the same. The home was never the same. Nothing was the same. And that was a shock on top of you still got to go to school and pass your grades and you're the only one in that neighborhood. You're the only one in that school that don't have a father. Because we're talking back in the 70s where they were family. And now I had to start riding a bus, you know, and coming home trying to do my homework and focus on that. And looking at my mother and just everything was just overwhelming. And no one explained it to me. They didn't have counseling for families back then in the 70s, 75, you know. Father's Italian, my mother was black, you know. So it was something that I'll never forget, but it made me strong and it made me want to go to the gym. It made me, you know, want to not play. I just wanted to be by myself. I hated school. I didn't want to do my homework. I just want to, I just want to get away from everything. So doing push-ups, doing sit-ups, reading Bruce Lee magazines, how the mind works, read tons of Bruce Lee magazines because he was a philosopher and everything. And it also seemed like Bruce Lee was a loner, you know, as well, because he was searched to find ways to create, ways to be better, ways to think and meditation and everything, strength within your within yourself. You know, that that was very, very, very important. It touched me just hearing that because my brother was on life support the week before Christmas. He became septic due to strep throat. The doctor, after cutting open his arm, said, I don't think I can save your brother. And he told my parents, I don't think I can save your son. And you're 37 years old for two days. And he ended up coming through. And all I kept thinking of was before Christmas and what happens to your holidays. So the fact that you just touched on that, like, I'm curious your answer to this. Do you think a man crying is a sign of strength or a sign of weakness? I want to explain something to you, okay? When my father died, I tried not to cry because I didn't want to cry for my mother. I never saw my mother cry because she wanted to try to be strong for the kids. But I wouldn't cry in front of her. I, I thought as a boy raising up that you have to be strong like the little lion and not complain, right? So we're taught to just suck it up and you'll get over it. I sucked it up, but I never got over it. I never got over it because I never cried, fully outright weeped and cried. And I thought that because I was not crying, that that would make me strong. But it suppressed my feelings to so deep down inside of me that I was willing to go to any extreme to satisfy that pain that was living deep down inside of me. And what I'm talking about is this. I'm talking about like when my mother died, I made that decision at that point that I would take steroids. 
that's when I made that choice because mama's gone, half my family's gone, and my father's gone, and now here I am. And then I remember the Bible says, you know, don't put anything on cleanliness into your body. You don't supposed to do that. And I figured, you know what? I don't have anything else to live for. Right. And I did. And it bothered me for a very, very, very many, many, many years. And I'll, I'll end up explaining that to you. But when I got into bodybuilding through this whole thing, I never cried. But that kid that needed to cry, right? He was taking everything out on the gym. He was building the walls of Jericho around him that he didn't want anybody else to tear down. The reason why he didn't want to be around any other kids is because he didn't allow himself to get close to anybody. Because if, if he got close to anybody and let those walls down, then he's losing control. So as long as he's in that gym and he's creating that character, Kevin Lebroni, and, uh, I mean, the, the Maryland Muscle Machine, that character, he's in full control. He's, 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 he's watching this character come to life right before his eyes because he's making all the decisions. I started when I was around 140, 150. That character that I was working on through that pain and agony, I built that up into one of the greatest bodybuilders in the world, right? Went in, you know, 22 shows and 18 second place and being Mr. Spain, Italy, Germany, France, Brazil, but this guy still, that kid needed a hug. He needed to learn how to cry because that's that same kid that was trying to be tough for mom, right? He's not being loved. So he's fulfilling that void. He's fulfilling all of this. But that character, Kevin Lebroni, that he built these walls, these walls, that guy's not going to go unless he say, okay, I'm going to stop training. Okay, it's in full control now. You see, so I needed something I could hold on, but I knew that God couldn't take away or they couldn't walk out of my life. The only way Kevin Lavroni, the Maryland Muscle Machine, is going to go anywhere, anywhere to disappear, it's my control. So God takes me. He's taking both of us, us at the same time. You understand? That's why bodybuilding was like, man, I was in full control. It was like, you know, nobody's going to take that away because that's me. That's my character. So God would have to kill me in order for that. So anyway. I found that. Now, moving forward to your question, I always struggled with the part of steroids, right? Like my mother and my father and most of my family members passed away from cancer, okay? So when Kevin Lavroni, the bodybuilder, he grew up and became successful, I dedicated my time two kids at Charn Hopkins Children's Center, you know, who, who didn't have money for surgeries and stuff like this. This is like what I would do with a portion of my earnings. You know, I, I would do that and I would go and spend time with the kids and spend time with the families up there at the children's house in Baltimore. And it just was a kind of a therapy for me. But one day I came back from the Mr. Olympia contest and, and this is how I'm going to spin bodybuilding into, you know, the pain and the agony of success and the questioning of should I have or not did the substance or not. 
I came back one day. I, I had this bond with this kid named Michael. He was about 11 years old at the children's hospital. And I used to always go up there before I show, after the show, to show the kids how big I was, shoot pool with them, play around with them, play games. This went on for, you know, two or three years. Anyway, I left to go do the show. Michael was there, and I got a call. I was going to come back, see him, show him my trophy. And the hospital called me as I landed at BWI. They said, you got to hurry up and get to the hospital because Michael's, you know, he had a surgery since you left, but he's been three days unresponsive, and he's just not talking. His mother's in his room. His grandmother, they couldn't get a response out of him. And I was like, oh, man, okay. I really didn't feel like going, but I did. And I drove to that hospital in the rain. I remember it was raining. I just got home from the Mr. Olympia. I was so tired flying from California. I drove to the hospital. Went on the second floor. And as I'm walking down the hallway, got to think, man, I just came off stage. I'm like 250 pounds. You know, I had on my sweatpants and I just took my shirt off. And I took my shirt off. I was like, oh, man, here we go, right? I don't feel like closing it. In my mind, I'm like, I don't feel like closing anymore. These people are going to think I'm crazy walking through this hospital like this. And I, they said, show me where his room was. I popped around the corner, Chris. And Michael saw me outside of his eyes. And you know how you do the chest pop thing? <laughs> Make your chest pop. I said, Michael, the bodybuilder's here, buddy. Rah! Come on, buddy. Let's go, right? And I was flexing and posing. I went over to his, his bed as he was laying down. Chris, he reached up. He started laughing. He gave me a big smile. He touched my muscles. His eyes looked like he, he just couldn't believe it, right? <laughs> and and he just, he, I gave him a hug, man. I said, I love you, buddy. Muscle man loves you, buddy. You know, and he was laughing. He couldn't quite talk because he had spine surgery for cancer, you know? And this went on for about 15 minutes, man. And as much as I didn't, as much as I felt like I didn't want to, when I got there, I knew at that point that anything all that I had been through, everything, if it took my father to pass away, if it took my mother to pass away, to put me on this path through, through what they died for, to, to, to give to others who can't or just touch lives. And I knew that, you know what? It's okay for me to take that testosterone shot in my butt. It's okay. Because it served a greater purpose. If I can have a grandmother and a mom cry and say, we want to thank you so much for touching our son's baby boy's life. And here I am looking at them and I'm thinking, really wasn't me. You know, it was everything that I had to go through. And, 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 that, and it dawned on me, Chris. I said, you know, here I am, one of the greatest in the world. All these titles, right? And I've always questioned myself. I've always felt embarrassed about, should I do it? Should I not do it? You know, and I got it all answered. And God said, you know, I'm going to build you a platform, but it's not about you. It's about that you can, through all your pain and agony, I want you to lift up others and glorify them. As long as you do that, your purpose will be served. And I can't imagine, you know, if God comes to me today, Chris, and say, hey, I'm going to take you. I'm going to take your life just like I took your dad's. And you got a son, he's 13, but you're going to be gone in two weeks. And it ain't going to make sense to him, Kevin, like it didn't make sense to you. 
when you were that boy and you had to go through all that. But one day you'll realize that I took you so that his life, he'll be able to serve much more greater than you. Can I take you, Kevin? I said, yes, take my life, God. If my son's going to be on a greater platform than me, and he's going to do those mighty things, yes, go ahead and take me. As long as, as, long as you're going to look after him and make sense to him later. And maybe God had that conversation with my father. I don't know. But it led me to this deeper understanding, right? That if I could ever take that back away, I would. Because daddy had to die like that for a reason, you know? Mama had to die like that for a reason. And, you know, I got all my questions answered, man. And I had to wait and not quit and not give up and set alone. But they've been answered. You know, and I always want to tell people, just hold on, hold on, because your answer is coming. It will come, you know, and God answered it all. And to this day, you know, he's given me a platform. And God said, I'm not going to give you a platform for Satan to steal my glory. So this is why I've got confirmation in so many places out throughout my life. And this is why I put other people's prayers before mine. I put other people before me and I give because my mother said, give and expect nothing to return. It won't make sense to you now, but it will one day. You know, I just, I just, I thank God that I can see, I can see people for who people really are. And really it's just love and help. And it doesn't take money. You know, it wasn't about money when I went and I hugged Michael and when Michael started crying, it wasn't about money. It was Greater your sacrifice, greater my sacrifice to do something good for other people. And I know they'll never, ever forget that. And I know he will never, ever forget that. Because I remember so many times people come to me and say, do you remember in 19 such and such? Do you remember this? Like we started this story off and you were like, man, you were such an idol to me. I had to get a fake ID. Well, that whole thing that you were seeing going on with me and everything. This is the story, and this is the things that gravitate. Stop about that, Kevin, right? This is it. That's it. You know? And that's what I've learned about life, and that's what I learn about. Every time I wake up, you know, I see, I see life not only about what's in front of me with my eyes, but sometimes we have to learn how to communicate, close our eyes and communicate in the spiritual realm and feel really what's going on. And move yourself out the way, you know, and um, that's why I'm here. You know, that's, it's not about me. I'm never going to make it about me. I want to start by just saying thank you for sharing that. So with Michael, and you said having the uncertainty or not sure if you were doing the wrong thing by taking steroids and going that route, I'm just seeing if I understand this right or after you saw Michael, did you look at yourself as you were willing to sacrifice your own health or your own body to bring joy and help others? And that was the confirmation yeah, yeah. of it? Yeah, yeah, yes. I knew everything I had done was for that purpose of giving back to others at that point. I remember seeing you in an off season at Mr. Olympia and like the talk was, did you see how skinny Kevin is? You see how much weight he lost? So Kevin only really trains four months out of the year, five months out of the year. Did I somehow just crack the answer to why you would go on and come off to where 
was it a role like the Maryland muscle machine? Was that one side of you? But then when competing was done, you wanted to go back to being Kevin Lavroni, which wasn't that jacked up size individual. Yes. You know, there were things and, you know, music, you know, that I listened to meditation, you know, places, you know, that I would go and sit out in serenity and, and meditate and the creativity, the right. And to draw and, when I went into the gym, it was just a sacred ground. That was like, that was a place where it was a war zone for me. You know, it was, you know, on a mission. Outside of that gym, it's, you know, the human being, you know, the music, the guy that, you know, likes to see the outside and peace and harmony and the artsy side to me, you know, that, that I really, really enjoyed, you know, writing songs with my band members and stuff like that and everything as well. So, yeah, that's the side where the walls are down and, you know, I just want to live in this world as a, as a normal human being and do things normal, you know. If I asked you to pick one song that has tremendous meaning to you, what comes to mind as the most powerful song? Out of all songs in the world, you're saying? Yeah, like the first song that comes to mind, that's a powerful song that has emotional meaning. And what is that meaning and why? A song when I'm on stage? Stage, if you're sitting home alone in silence, if you're in the car driving, reflecting on life, like what's a song that would start playing uh, in your mind? Uh, when you're weary, when you're on the streets, when tears are in your eyes, I will dry them all. I'm on your side, oh, when times get wrong. And pain is all around, like a breeze over trouble. Water, I will lay me down. Like a bridge over trouble, water, I will lay me down. <laughs> Definitely, man. Yes. Well, you just sent chills down my spine wow you started to uh mention your your son's 13 yeah he's 13 years old what does that mean to you with all the experiences that you've had and the loss that you suffered with your father you know god chose me to be a father it reminds me of my father when i see him it's just see him growing and and knowing that i'm a part of his life to help mold him and to the human being that God chose his son to be. Every day I, I, I walk and I, I look past this room, he's getting taller and taller. You know, when you have a child and they like the same food you like and they start talking like you and walking like you and you just really can't believe it. It's a huge responsibility of love. I miss him. When I'm with him, I miss him. I miss him when I'm not with him. When I think I, I always miss him all the time. I'm so concerned about him. And I think about him. I think about what he wants to be. I think about my contribution to his life. And I tell my son, son, I would want you. You got to understand one thing. I'm your earthly father, but God is your father of all. Your relationship with God is the most important, first of all. I'm your earthly father to give you direction 
by what I do and you see how I live my life, right? I says, but this is what I want you to do. And, th- and this is where success lies. I said, if you, can, if you can go out here each and every day, if you can help people, if you can be a role model in your community, if you can stand up for what's right, then you're on the right track. And you put God first and you do all those other things, then you're on the right track. I says, then the rest of the choices are up to you. What, what you want to be out of life and everything else. And I think as a father, being able and having this opportunity to share my fatherhood values with him is food for my soul and for my heart and for my spirit because I didn't have these conversations with my father. This kind of just freaked me out. I have questions I wrote down in front of me. And my next question is this. And when you hear this played back for what you just said, this is really eerie. Question I have for you. Do you feel stealing food for a starving child is wrong? What made you ask, ask me that question? I'm good friends with a preacher. And we were discussing this question about two weeks ago. And there's two questions I have back to back that one of them I'm struggling with an answer. I keep going back and forth. And his answer to this question was probably the most brilliant way I've ever heard it answered. And I want to hear what you say. Are you saying a starving child or a dying child? Starving, hasn't eaten, hungry. Are you willing to commit a sin to help someone else who's in need? If I couldn't provide for that kid and I had to put my life on the line, and commit that sin because that kid was too small and couldn't do it himself, I would take that chance. You want to know what my friend the preacher said? He said he would do the same thing you said because you shouldn't let your fellow man starve or suffer and no man-made law supersedes God's law. So you're along those lines. The other question that I've had trouble trying to move past myself, I'm curious how you'll answer it. Would you rather stop any future memories that can be made going forward from this point forward and you get to keep all your memories of the past? Or would you rather give up your memories from the past so you can make new memories going forward? Your bodybuilding career, your parents, would you give that up for the memories you can make going forward with your son? Or would you give up future memories so you could remember your mother, father, and bodybuilding career? For me, Chris, if I lost my memory, which we will lose and become, you know, dimension, all that, people have asked me this question, if there's anything I would change or I've changed anything about my, my past. No, I wouldn't change my father died. I wouldn't change anything. Those memories are who I am right now. To erase those memories and move forward, I wouldn't want to move forward without them. No. So I'll have to say no to that. If my life ended the day, I'm happy. Moving forward, I've pretty much accomplished 99.9% of everything in the entire world that I've always wanted. There's not a whole lot more that, that I do really need to see other than my son getting married and having a kid, but I know it'll happen. I think I've seen the most beautiful things in my life already, and I'm content with it. For more info, visit getconnects.com. That's G E T 
C-O-N-N-E-X-X.com or visit us on Facebook at Connects, INC or on Instagram at Connects underscore. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Don Pablo. All their coffee is roasted in small batches, providing the freshest tasting coffee imaginable. Simply put, it's a better cup of coffee. Order on Amazon or at DonPabloCoffee.com. 